What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of That Lakers Guy. And I am the one and only, yours truly, That Lakers Guy. <laughs> Just kidding. But I am That Lakers Guy. And I wish I were podcasting on better Lakers terms, but that's just not the world we live in, boys and girls. It's just not the world we live in today. And today, I wish I were here to breathe life back into the fanfare, the optimism, the hopes and dreams that had seeds planted ever so lovingly this offseason. But I am definitely not here for that because over the last... The first 10 games of the season, um, Freudian slip right there, Um, over the first 10 games of the season, somebody has just let loose weeds and just poured salt in the soil in which our fandom seeds were ever so lovingly planted this offseason. And so what I'm here to do is tell you what's really going on. So take a seat because this might not have a happy ending. Now, before I even get into what we've witnessed the first 10 games of the season, let me allow me to tell you who or which players are not even able to play right now. So, Trevor Ariza, age 36, uh, longtime vet, one-time champion with the Lakers, had to have ankle surgery. Before the season even began, he was dealing with ankle injuries, couldn't really practice in training camp too much, did not play in the preseason, and had to have surgery. So he was instantly scratched off the board. And yeah, so right away, somebody that was reportedly penciled in as a starter uh, was going to produce... And on both ends, hopefully, as a floor spacing wing and a wing defender that is sizable and reputable. And this was somebody that the Lakers were counting on to play a decent sized role. THT, Talon Horton Tucker, is out, had to have thumb surgery, injured his thumb in the preseason, and has not played in a regular season game yet. He's out. That is also somebody the Lakers were penciling in to have a moderately large-sized role. He's 6'4", has a 7-foot-something wingspan, um, has the potential to be something. We don't quite know what yet, but he has potential. He's just really, really rough around the edges. Um, But like I said, he was reportedly expected to even fight for a starting position um, as kind of awkward as it seems um lebron james age 36 about to be 37 next month and he's out with an abdominal strain missing one to two weeks on initial reports with a former lakers uh medical employee saying it might be more like one to one to two months um but that's pure speculation uh so he missed Two games with an ankle sprain uh, and then came back, played a game or two, and he's out with an abdominal strain. So he's out. 
Next, we have Anthony Davis. AD. Yeah, and he's got a thumb sprain. Uh, I hurt his thumb during the game, and he has been day-to-day. He played for a couple minutes against Portland. Things got out of hand extremely fast, and he went out with stomach illness, did not return that game, was said to be throwing up uh, in the locker room. He's questionable for tonight's game against the Hornets. And, yeah, so LeBron is out. AD is uh, 50-50. We've got two wing players out. And Wayne Ellington just came back. He's played, I think, two games. Uh, He should play tonight. And he's in no part defender. And he's boomer bust kind of shooter. And earlier in the summer, I was okay with the signing of Wayne Ellington, but he's one of the guys that's kind of should be deeper in the bench. So, yeah. So that's where we're at with injuries. We've had other guys get uh, some bumps and bruises. Nothing too crazy. Uh, Rondo has had, you know, some ankle issues. Dwight missed uh, two games with a stiff neck and uh or like two and a half games he was pulled out of of a game as well i think in against okc after just coming in getting on a roll and i guess his neck stiffened up so yeah <clears throat> not the best luck and i will touch into that later on in the episode but uh let's just kind of start running things down because we are getting nowhere fast and we've got nowhere to go so one of the signings that I was just definitely not a fan of was DeAndre Jordan. <clears throat> For one, because he's old, he's not good, he doesn't play defense, and he was probably going to be a starting center for us this year. I was not a fan of that. (laughs) I was not a fan of that. And I honestly would have preferred Marc Gasol, but Lakers kind of screwed that up with their own doing last season. So Marc Gasol was never going to be in the picture. So now we're stuck with a washed-up DeAndre Jordan. And the messed-up thing is that even when he does play decent, it doesn't even matter because his presence alone kills any possibility of spacing that effectively cripples the abilities of Russ, Braun, and AD. And while Kemp Bazemore has been uh, better than expected from the three-point line, he's not Clay Thompson. He's not Steph. He's not Dame. He's not drawing defenses out there like that. He doesn't have the reputation of a Danny Green to to bend the defenses and um while he's he's putting forth some some solid efforts uh with some you know some questionable plays here and there he's just uh you know that's more than than what his shooting ability can do when facing that kind of of dehabilitating spacing killer and what deandre jordan contributes to so, uh, yeah, we're doing the whole two centers thing, no floor spacers aside from Kent Bazemore. And, yeah, um, 
welcome to like 1985 <laughs> uh yeah but um you know the thing is if you were so insistent on starting two centers that that was just always going to be the way you went and took this team why not start the better center why not put Dwight Howard in as a starting center he's clearly 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 clear as crystal far superior athletically IQ wise um, he still has juice left in the tank and he's always been a better defender than DeAndre Jordan could ever dream of so why not put the better center with your most important lineup I don't know maybe that's just me I understand enjoying the spark he brings with the second unit, but that's 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 on you as a coaching staff to figure out how to squeeze the effectiveness out of him in putting him where he can start so you can have your double big lineup to start for the tip-off, play a couple minutes, quick sub, let him sit just like you do with Russ, and then bring him back out with your start with your second lineup. As your as your soul big when AD goes for a rest, there are ways to do it, <clears throat> and I'll talk about Vogel as well because he is not without sin. While I don't believe he is the biggest sinner, so we'll talk about that later. Um, onward we march. LeBron James started off just scorching from three, just ridiculously hot from three, you know, shooting the lights out crazy then he got his his ankle rolled missed two games has not been the same shooter since with most of his his jumpers hitting front rim meaning he does not have the leg power to get that shot up and um we have yet to see if or when that short burst of ridiculously hot three-point shooting will return uh, because quite honestly, we just don't know when the next time we're gonna see LeBron play is. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm crying right now. You just think I'm laughing. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, onward. Russell Westbrook, or as Skip Bayless and uh, apparently Derek Fisher like to call Russell Westbrook, he has started off so horribly, so horribly, so horribly. I don't know how many times I can say that, but one more time, so horribly. The the reasoning in why pe- people justify trading for Russell Westbrook is, oh, he's a superstar. He's an MVP caliber player. So when LeBron or AD is out, he can take over the load and he can help you still get wins in the regular season. He goes 110%. Blah, 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 blah. None of that. Absolutely none of it has been true to this point. We have seen some highlights and we have seen some unwatchable lowlights. And unfortunately, the bipolarism in his gameplay is what we're stuck with for this and possibly another season. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's just, I'm not looking forward to that. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not looking forward to that. I've never been a Russell Westbrook fan. I've never been interested in the way he plays the game. 
I don't care about the, the heavy gaudy stats. I just don't care. None of it has amounted to anything except triple doubles and mediocre play and mediocre seasons and not getting past the first round. Except that year in Houston, but then we wiped the floor with them in five in the second round. So I just have never been a fan. I was very unhappy with trading for Russell Westbrook, losing what we did, bringing in what we did, and just the just the severing of any kind of financial flexibility and uh, roster management going forward from that move. Especially when you see what could have been in Buddy Hield. And Buddy Hield is playing pretty well. And the Kings are up and down right now, but Buddy Hield is a solid shooter. Uh, no, Buddy Hield is a great shooter. And he's having a solid showing so far this season. And so when you see Russ play the good and the bad, it's not just in a vacuum. You don't just see Russell Westbrook playing for the Lakers. You see Russell Westbrook playing for the Lakers with the thought in the back of your mind that I wonder what this would be like with Buddy Heald instead. Because you have Buddy Heald instead, you only lose out on Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, two of which players you could have gone without you could have convinced me to go without this season anyways and you could have kept kcp or traded him for something else with a sizable contract and team friendly contract and 13 million a year so you would have had you know maybe a starting lineup of lebron ad kcp buddy Hield, and you can go a wing player or you do double centers and you go marcus or dwight howard and that is not too shabby. And yeah, so the Russell Westbrook trade is not, nor will it ever be seen in a vacuum. And if you try to say that it is, I don't care for it. But yeah, so Russ has not been good. We've seen the the poor decision making. We've seen him get trigger happy with his jump shot. He heat checks after every make. And he tries to go shot for shot with people that are competent shooters, something which he is far from. And even in the one game where he was shooting a respectable, I think, like three out of five from three, that made it even worse because he then had the confidence thinking that he could hit the three. And when it needed to just, when we did not want it the most. <laughs> In the worst possible scenario, with the game on the line, he pulled a walk-up jumper for three that effectively cost us the game against OKC. And yeah, so I've got plenty negative to say about Russ, uh, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna try not to just completely shit on him today. Um, while I don't have much positive, the one upside is that. In the game against the Rockets, he, LeBron, and AD all had near or 30-plus points in that game. And off on offense, that was probably the best they've looked together. Um, but that was one game, and we barely won against a Houston Rockets team that 
is aiming to be one of the bottom teams in the West and the league as a whole. So, yeah, kudos, boys. Uh, you did real good right there. Real good. Yeah, so, anyways, what's going on with the Lakers? What is going on with the Lakers? Nobody plays any goddamn defense. You would not even know this was a Frank Vogel team by the atrocity you see on the defensive end. It's just downright preposterous. It's insane how horrible we are on the defensive end. In spurts, and quite honestly, that must be like the buzz phrase, or maybe the Lakers are going to try to market that in bursts, in spurts um, phrase because... It's used in just about every post-game presser by one player or another or by Vogel or, you know, that is just the, that's been the theme of the season thus far in spurts or in bursts, however you want to say it. But in bursts, you can see defensive efforts from AD, Avery Bradley, Camp Bazemore, Dwight Howard, but as we know, it takes five players busting their ass on defense to make it work. And that's not on Vogel because we've seen Frank Vogel show that he can be one of the best, if not the best, defensive mind in the league. Period. Like, that's it. There's just nothing about that you can't say otherwise. Especially after last season, with all the injuries we had, he was able to squeeze every last drop of defense juice out of the roster we had without our stars for most of the season being the best defense in the league. That's ridiculously good defense. But this is not on Vogel. Our defensive woes is just not on Vogel. Um, Maybe you could say he doesn't have the ear of the locker room, but that is only partially on him. This is more so a roster flaw. We have a bunch of old dudes and a bunch of unproven youngsters. And many of whom either just simply do not or have not played defense in a long time. Carmelo Anthony is a notoriously bad defender. Somebody who does not care on the defensive end. And while he's had... Here it is. Bursts of defensive efforts and he's made a couple of of defensive plays here and there. He's just generally not a great defensive player. Malik Monk is an awful defensive player. Wayne Ellington, awful defensive player. Kendrick Nunn, suspect defensive player. DeAndre Jordan, awful defensive player. It's just a roster that is just not built and it's, I'm not saying you need to build around Frank Vogel, but you got to give him something. You know what kind of a coach... Well, you should know. Uh, well, okay. The Lakers have ne- not been great at talent evaluation in the LeBron James era. So let's get that out. So it puts things in a little bit of perspective. But you know that Frank Vogel takes pride in his defense. You have to know that. He talks about it. Every game presser, every practice presser, defense is 
what success is for Vogel. And you just simply did not give him enough competent defenders. And while you while you say, yeah, but we're not healthy, wait until Trevor comes back and THT, if you are expecting 36-year-old Trevor Reza post-ankle surgery and 20 soon to be 21 year old THT who's never been a great defender anyways to come in here and save the game uh I've got an island to sell you my guy because those two and Kendrick Nunn just they're not turning us into a defensive juggernaut they're they're might not they might not even make a difference quite honestly they might come in and our defense could still be just as bad um we are just not built to give Frank Vogel the the tools he needs to create success, quite honestly. And we've seen what he can do when you give him competent defenders. Kuzma was a bad defender, but willing and young enough to and athletic enough, sizable enough to improve, and he did. And by his last season, was a very good defender. On ball, off ball. Played well. KCP, great defender. Alex Caruso, elite defender. Denner Shooter became not known for defense, but became a good defender. Got everything out of Avery Bradley, Danny Green. Got LeBron playing defense. AD should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Dwight looked really good. JaVale looked really like He squeezed the juice, the defense juice out of everybody. But this team, I don't think there's juice to squeeze. So whose fault is it, you say, or you ask, whose fault is it? This kind of falls back, and even I admittedly will have to walk back some of the praise that I gave Rob Palinka and LeBron James because they are the ones in charge of building the team. And at this point, I don't know that they even gave Vogel a voice in who they sought after because it was on LeBron to pass over trading for Buddy Heald and and acquire Russell Westbrook. Rob Palinka and LeBron went and got all these former Lakers, all these old dudes, all these vets, and uh, it just, we're in a little bit of a hindsight perspective here, but it doesn't look good right now. It doesn't look like they made the right choices. It looks like they've gone too far from what they had in 1920 in the championship year. And, while with every move, every, you know, former Laker they've brought back, they try to, you know, chase that ghost of, of the bubble championship team, but they, they just don't get it. Something is not sticking in their heads. Sure, you got Dwight Howard back, you got Rondo back, you got Avery Bradley back, but Rondo doesn't play well in the regular season. Avery Bradley is... Okay, he's pretty good sometimes. Dwight Howard is pretty good. But everything else, you've got all these other dudes. And you're expecting him to turn Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony and Wayne Ellington into an elite defense. You are smoking something that would make Dion Waiters scared to get on an airplane. <laughs> and... um this is just not any kind of incarnation of the 2020 championship team.
I don't care what they say. Don't care what anyone else says. This is not it. This is not in the same vein. And they're putting Frank Vogel in a disadvantageous position, especially after they only gave him a one-year extension. Um, it looks like if the season goes bad enough early on enough that he may get the boot because there are plenty of Lakers fans. And I predicted this in the offseason. I thought it was going to take five games. Um, was it five? Well, I had I had a relatively short time frame to where I expected Lakers fans to start calling for Frank Vogel's head, and I think it took one game for that to start happening. People, or well, Lakers fans seem just so not interested in holding the players accountable for their own performances. Like I, I just don't get that. Like you see this dude not giving a shit on defense. Being not even half a step late, just three steps late, two steps too slow, disinterested, and you blame Frank Vogel. How the hell does that work? That is some nonsense. And everybody, you know, people like to think that, sure, you fire the coach and you get a new one and maybe they'll be better, maybe they won't, and things will be fixed. But that's not going to fix this problem. You think that David Fisdale is going to fix this problem? You think that Mark Jackson is going to fix it? He could not win a championship with the Splash Brothers. Sure, he got them started and he saw great things out of them before anyone else did. But it took a change in voice to really get that team over the hump. David Fisdale hasn't done anything to, to make you think that he's he can lead a, a team as the head coach to a championship. Frank Vogel has. Frank Vogel's a better coach than Mark Jackson, and Frank Vogel's a better coach than Mark Fisdale. And I don't care if you disagree. Don't at me, bro. One of the only positives that's happening so far this season is that Carmelo Anthony, at least on the offensive end, as a three-point catch-and-shoot shooter, is far better than I could have imagined. I thought he was going to play maybe 12 to 15 minutes a game, be awful on defense, hit a couple threes, and just kind of be fun. But he's playing like 25 minutes a game, has some defensive plays, and is just shooting the lights out from three on catch-and-shoot shots. That's insane. I don't know how long he can keep that up, especially when we're playing so bad. But... If this team is ever healthy, Carmelo Anthony will probably have to be a huge piece in success, at least on the offensive end. I just don't know how how much or how long into the season he can carry that on because as of right now, he's looking like a good choice for six men of the year between him and Tyler Hero. And uh, Malik Monk was something was somebody that had gotten everybody excited in, in preseason sparked up in the first couple games of the, of the regular season and then just absolutely fell into a pit of darkness and has not been seen since. Um, he uh, has really just fallen off a cliff. He's out of favor. He's not getting a whole lot of minutes. He's awful on defense. And yeah, so he's just really one of those boomer bust guys and it seems like we got a whole lot of them. 
So I guess he fits in with everybody else. And uh, it's a shame because Malik Monk, when he's going, is really fun to watch. And he's really easy to root for. The Monk propaganda is strong on Lakers Twitter. Everybody wants him to be a starter. But thankfully he's not because he has not been playing well long enough to be a starter. And uh, when you're getting outplayed by... DeAndre Jordan, that that uh, that's a bit sad because I would honestly rather if he was playing well, I'd honestly rather go with Russ, AD, Avery Bradley, Kent Bazemore, and Malik Monk, where you just got four smalls and one big. Since LeBron is out, and just rock with that, I would prefer that to DeAndre Jordan. But Malik Monk, you got to start hitting shots. You got to stop doing the ISO. Stay out the three-point line, catch and shoot, be a floor spacer. The isolation plays is is really just not doing it for you. Anyways, uh, we've lost to OKC twice, and they were projected to be one of the worst, if not the worst, team in the league with Houston. Ironically, we barely beat Houston. We've lost to OKC twice, and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander has just destroyed us. Both games were without LeBron, but uh, if you try to say that we need LeBron James to beat OKC, then we're a disgrace of a team, and we're not contenders. We are not playing the playoffs. We're not making the playoffs, and it's a joke of a team. If you need LeBron James, AD, and Russ to beat this OKC team, then this is a joke of a team. And the season's over. So, which is it? Did we play like shit? Or did we play like shit because we didn't have LeBron? Either way, we played like shit and we lost to a disgraceful team. um, With just one superstar in the making. But still, come on. (laughs) Oh man, that, that, that was just embarrassing. That was a dumpster fire. As we round third base going to home plate, the excuses right now that we are not fully healthy. But after last year, you should know that is not guaranteed that we will ever be fully healthy this season. And at this point, injuries are no longer an excuse. Injuries are an indictment on the roster construction of this team. You chose to trade for Russell Westbrook, who has not shown success in a team since leaving OKC. And even in his final couple of seasons in OKC, was a one-man show in mediocrity. You chose to let Alex Caruso walk. You chose to completely deplete the identity of this team. You chose to surround our two aging, fragile superstars in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. As much as it hurts me to say, they have become injury prone. We are seeing them sit out games due to bumps and bruises and major injuries. And you chose to surround them with aging vets anyways. 
You chose to surround aging vets with unproven youth anyways. These are decisions being made. This is not just being unlucky. If the injury gods snapped their fingers and gave us full health tomorrow, we would not go on a 10-game winning streak with elite defensive abilities. These guys are old. The older you get, the slower you get. And that's when vets start picking and choosing when they put their effort in. Rondo is probably the most notorious offender in that lane. So you think someone like DeAndre Jordan is going to give you 82 games of Lob City ability? You think that... You think that Trevor Ariza is going to look like the last time you saw Trevor Ariza in a Lakers jersey? Because that's just not happening at all. You think that THT, who got outplayed by Wesley Matthews and Markeith Morris at times last season, is going to show up and look like prime Kawhi Leonard or prime LeBron on the defensive end? Eh. That is not correct. And that is a fallacy you're chasing, my friend. Because last year, well, not even last year because we were a title team last year. Last season, that was more so unlucky. That was from a short turnaround and not enough of an offseason to recuperate. And had that team been healthy, that was a championship contending team. This, I don't think is in its current construction. But last year, we had excuses. This year, we have conscious decisions that have put us where we are now. You chose to trade for Russell Westbrook instead of Buddy Heald. You understood the implications and the possible consequences that could have come from each decision made in order. And... Had you taken other routes in combination with some of the good that you did do this offseason, we could have had a whole hell of a different team. You could have Buddy Heald. You could have KCP. You could have Alex Caruso. You could still have Dwight. If you weren't dumb last year, maybe you could have had Marcus Gasol. Maybe you could have kept Andre Drummond because Drummond is still better than DJ you could have James Ennis or Wesley Matthews back. But no. What we have is a million guards. A bunch of guys who either don't want to or just can't play defense. A coach who is put in a bad position. With not a whole lot of confidence shown from the team. Two stars that are already going through ailments. And a third star who isn't even looking like a third star. And we're only 10 games into the season. So where are we? Are we the favorite to come out the West? With guns ablaze, firepower for days, and multiple ways to attack the rim? 
or are we the retirement home with a bunch of veteran minimum guys and Russell Westbrook bringing down probably the best duo in the league, even so. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are still, when healthy, the best duo in the league. And it doesn't even matter. So that's where we're at right now. Tonight we've got a game against LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets. But if the way we played against Portland is any foresight of how we're going to look tonight, then it's not going to be much of a ball game. Maybe AD plays, maybe he doesn't. Maybe that makes a difference, maybe it doesn't. LeBron is out. THC's out. Trevor Rees is out. Kendrick Nunn is out. And our rotations are questionable at times. And nothing is... Nothing... No decision being made is being made to help the one previously or the one prior to it. And that's just on a daily basis at this point. So until we start seeing some change, we just might be in for the 2018-2019 season reborn. And if you remember that, then that's all there is that need to be said. Because there's a whole lot of stubbornness going on from the front office to the ownership to the stars to the coach. And we as fans are just here to watch the show because that's just, uh, you know, where we're at right now. But all right, I've... uh, I've taken the soul out of myself enough for one night, and uh, I'm going to try and do episodes weekly, but if from this point going forward, we don't win a game by like the end of next week, then maybe I'll just do a monthly and we'll just get drunk and cry our sorrows away together. <laughs> It'll be Lakers fans ther- therapy, so um, forgive me for being a Debbie Downer, but if you if you are really looking at the way this team is playing and how it's built and think that we're taking a championship home, like without a doubt, I got a bridge to sell you, my guy. <laughs> and uh, this has been another episode of That Lakers Guy. Peace.